You are listening to the Critical Mass Radio Show, Orange County's business talk show focused on exploring topics of interest to CEOs who are leading middle market companies with your host, Richard Franzi. Hello and welcome to Critical Mass Radio Show and Podcast. I am your host, Richard Franzi, and this is podcast episode number 1,287, and this is our 1,599th interview that we've done. We've been on the air since March of 2009, and we're the longest-running business podcast here in Orange County, California. Hailing from what is arguably the most fashionable city in the world, cosmetics guru Mana Kadar was born in Paris, France, surrounded by the very best that fashion and beauty has to offer. Mana developed a passion at a very young age for not only the finest beauty products on earth, but for the business behind the most cutting-edge brands. Mana cut her business teeth early on, proving herself as a successful young entrepreneur in the competitive sales and marketing Realm. I'm excited to welcome Mana to our program. Welcome to Critical Mass Radio Show and Podcast. Hi, Richard. Congratulations on all your success. I'm so proud to be a guest on your show again. It's awesome to have you back, and I know a lot has happened since the last time we had you on the show. Why don't you tell our audience a little bit about you and your firm, Mana? Sure. So my name is Mana Kadar. I'm the founder of Mana Kadar Beauty. We are a house of brands, different beauty brands, uh, ranging from two cosmetics lines, a men's line, a maternity line, a pet line, and I think I have that covered. <laughs> Six lines total. <laughs> <laughs> Got to count now. Yeah, so body, many, you've grown so much. Yeah, a thousand bodies that I was missing. So, so let's go back to the beginning. In the intro, I kind of read about your earliest days, but... Tell our audience as an entrepreneur, what is it about this industry, the, the beauty industry, that really caused you to kind of get your entrepreneurial spirits going and uh, start your firm? Yeah, so, you know, I come from a very traditional um, Asian family. So my mother really was against me wearing makeup. She's very into academics, very not into cosmetics. So it just really, you know, fascinated me, this this whole product um, situation where it can totally transform someone's face. And so, you know, my mother was here as an immigrant and seeing how, you know, Asian women would, you know, try to look more Caucasian um, and seeing how that could happen. And then as I got a little bit older, just really understanding what it can do for a person, not only just physically, but how it could also make you feel um, transformative at the same time. So, you were on our show in 2013, so boy, that's I think it was the beginning of the year. So we're like seven years out from when you were on the program last. Uh, you you talked about how you've grown the company into different areas. What has been your guiding principle for how you grow your brand? Uh, you know, in these different uh, sectors of the beauty industry. Yeah, so I think you know. Wow, I can't believe it's been that long. <laughs> um, you know, I, we lead with what I call affordable luxury. When I first started the initial brand, Manicure Beauty, that brand was poised as a prestige line of cosmetics. So what prestige means is, um, you know, this is what you would, this is the brand you would find in stores like, you know, Neiman Marcus, uh, Nordstrom, so more high-end type of product. But what I really found was that. 
you know, many women and men out there were looking for products that um, made them look good and feel good, but at a more affordable price. You know, everyone can afford these, um, you know, higher price points for, for products. So I really set out to embark on making products that were functional, that were very performance-based, but also um, very beautiful. So what you'll find in my products is, you know, everything has this gorgeous, gorgeous packaging, but can still maintain the integrity of a really high-quality product. And what brought you into diversifying into men? And did I hear you say pets? Did you say pets. that? Yeah, pets. Yep. You got. I'm, I'm curious as I'll get out. So let's start with men, and then let's move into the pet space. Once I once I found that the affordable luxury way was really um, what was able to get us get our foot in the door, no pun intended, to many, many different <laughs> retailers. They saw the success of the brand, and, you know, they said, okay, well, you know, we're, we're noticing a rise in the interest with men's products. Can you create the same kind of concept and make men's product look very elevated but still offer it at a price point that's affordable? So I said, sure. <laughs> um, so that's where Mason Man um, came into play. This was maybe three or four years ago. Nope, sorry, take that back. This is three and a half years ago, I know that because Mason is the name of my son and I named the brand after my son. So, you know, it's a great line of products with multifunctional products. For example, you know, there's a three-in-one shampoo, conditioner, and body wash. So really trying to streamline that that process for men and make it really easy. And pets? Oh, and pets. Let's not forget the pets. So, you know, what I, I figured we have to We'd have something, uh, a little something for everyone in our family, which includes uh, pets. So we have a Labradoodle, and mm. he, you know, they're beautiful dogs, but they require a lot of, of maintenance for their hair. And so if you don't, you know, brush their hair regularly or take them to get groomed regularly, then, you know, the hair gets matted and, you know, all of the wonderful things that, that dogs, you know, come with from a, from a grooming perspective and a maintenance perspective. So I wanted to create products that made that, less stressful for employees and more, not employees, excuse me, uh, for pet owners and more pleasant for the actual dog to experience. So we really found great products um, that would that would take care of the coat and have these great scents that really carry on beyond, you know, just the day that, that you normally take a dog home from the groomers. Um, you know, we have refresher items. It's almost like Febreze for dogs where you make sure your dog smells great all the time. And what's the brand name for that line? It's called uh, Hope Dog or Hot Dog, however you want to say it. So, and our dog Dougie the Doodle is our is our mascot <laughs> for, for that brand. <laughs> okay, so you have a you have a living individual that is the icon for the brand around which you're you're building your products. I love it. It's it's you or it's uh, the man in your life or it's the your son, your dog. It's like that's fantastic. I'm wondering because you started as a premium brand because when we I mean that's kind of my impression, my memory of you from when we had you on the program before, and you've been able to successfully move your brand into other parts of the of the of the beauty space. I'm just wondering from an entrepreneur's perspective, um, was, was that a challenge in doing that? And can you recall sort of when you were going through that that growth? I mean, how were you able to protect the image and quality of the brand and still make a more affordable product line that you could sell in more distribution locations? 
Well, we still so we still have we still have the luxury brand, and that's where where most people know about the other brands that come with. So it really was about you know taking a step back and seeing what's important to the customer. You know, is it um, you know does does the packaging need to have a rhinestone on it? Or th- there's a lot of things that make packaging very very expensive, and then you know there's a lot of marketing and overhead costs that that go into that final price for the product that you know people don't don't recognize. So it was really just paring it down to you know what what is it that we're looking for from a consumer perspective, and what uh, so we started with that to make sure that the product was a really great quality product. And then there are so many tricks of the trade where you can make something very, very beautiful, but you don't have to spend a fortune, you know, doing that. So that's kind of our little trade secret here. So you came to my attention. I saw an article in in one of the business publications. I, I don't remember which one at this point that you had significantly been able to expand your distribution channels. And in retail, that's that, that. It's my understanding that's a very competitive, difficult thing to do. Can can you talk to our audience of business owners and other entrepreneurs about the success you've been able to have in widening and deepening your distribution channels? Sure. So you know. We are in uh, over 6,500 retail doors now, and it'll probably go closer to 10,000 doors over this this next holiday season. And, you know, that sounds like a big number, and it it definitely is, but it all starts with those first few doors that you get into and really fostering those relationships with the buyers. And by buyers, I mean um, the corporate buyers that make the decision to bring your product into their stores or not. You know, it's really about learning what the buyer is looking for and filling that gap of what they don't have. So, of course, there's a a ton of, you know, uh, beauty and personal care products out there. But what I found was, you know, when I'm talking to many buyers, they they would say, hey, man, you know, I really like your product, but I can't put you next to Estee Lauder right now. It just uh, won't work. But, you know, as we continue the conversation, they said, well, you know, can you create something that's a lesser price point? And that's where the conversation got going. And really, you know, oftentimes those conversations are, are, are seconds long. You know, that, that part of the conversation is just a few seconds. But really taking those tidbits of information um, that the buyer is telling you and really taking action upon it and seeing what's feasible for your business and your business model. For me, that meant, you know, going and sourcing an entirely different entirely different cosmetics lines to where, you know, it, uh, the pricing would make sense for both the, the retailer and myself. And it, it took, you know, it took um, several years to get there. And even then there was a lot of trial and error. But, and, you know, to, I would also say stay in constant communication with the, the buyer as well and sharing with them um, what you're creating and the feedback because they like to be in the know and, and being, you know, the first to be able to, to find like a hidden gem. So we're talking with Mana Kadar, and I think you just gave us a teachable moment because listening to what your clients are asking and then um, being open to the idea and then actually doing the work to figure out if you can do it and if it makes sense can be a powerful growth strategy. It sounds like that I'm kind of distilling what I heard you say, but that, that's sort of the teachable moment that I took out of that answer, Mana. So thank you says Musk is feeling the pressure to... Uh, I'm wondering if you could um, help us to understand as as you've grown your brand, you've grown your business, you're in 6,500 doors, going to 10,000. I'm wondering what you do to 
make sure you have work-life balance. You know, what, what's your strategy for self-care that allows you to be available to care for others in your organization? That is, you know, that's like the million-dollar question. So I have two toddlers at home, um, one almost four, one almost three, and a husband and Dougie the Doodle and, you know, employees. And so so I try to, I, I try to take a step back and think about what do I do at home and also in the workplace that provide the most value and try to focus on doing those items. So, and not getting caught up in the minutia of everything else, you know. So, um, like an example would be IT. You know, if something's broken in the office, I'm not going to try to fix it. Have someone else, you know, spend the hour or what, however much time that is troubleshooting, and then I will move to the next activity that doesn't require that piece of technology that's down to be more productive in that way. So I'm not spinning my wheels. It's, it's like the book EMF, you know, work, work. Um, on your business and not in your business, and it's very easy to get caught up in just doing things and not doing productive, forward-moving thinking items. Yeah, and I, I would think that's especially true as your as your business has scaled and you have multiple product lines. I mean, I just I, there could be a lot of distractions that would keep you busy, but you wouldn't be moving to the next level in your business if you weren't sort of working on the things that are the future and not the, the present. I, I'm wondering, I'm asking each guest here, have been doing it for a while, unfortunately, but I, I'm just curious, what have you seen has been the impact of COVID-19 on your products and your business in general and kind of from a high level, you know, what are you seeing and what's it look like in the future for you for the near-term future relative to COVID-19? Yeah, so... It has been a very, very challenging time. Um, you know, when you, when you are in that many retail doors and all of those doors shut down, that means, you know, all of my orders stop. So we had millions upon millions of dollars of orders canceled within, you know, the, uh, a few weeks. So that was that was very challenging. We're working on some some very large growth opportunities, and this was going to be definitely a banner year for the brand. That being said, you know, I really wanted to take this into stride and look at the opportunities that are presented to us or will be presented to us because, you know, we can't do anything about the stores being closed. What can we focus on? And the one area I would have to say that the business was not strong in was e-commerce. That is 100% 100% my fault. I am not, as I mentioned with my tech example, I'm not the most technology savvy person. Um, and so I, it was kind of this big behemoth thing that I didn't tackle because we were having so much success in this other area um, that was retail. So as a result of that, you know, we now have the time to dedicate um, a lot of our resources into really building that up and um you know, seeing what other opportunities out there lie for, you know, our e-commerce space, not only just with our own website, but also with, you know, partnering with other people's websites. And, you know, Amazon is not fully optimized. You know, you name it. There's so many things to do, you know, with um, social media and pay-per-click. And um, I'm so much more educated on this than I was about six years, uh, six well, six years and six weeks ago. And, you know, I, I'm thankful for that opportunity to actually to pause and just to take a break because um, we were moving at such a fast pace that 
Um, I'm even wondering how we were we we were um, you know getting through all of those days. So and beyond that, you know, we're we're innovating. We're creating some new products that will really resonate with this new normal that we have with different types of hygiene habits, different um, beauty routines, beauty habits. There's, you know, a new wave of uh, communication with, you know, Zoom, lots more FaceTime. And so, you know, all of those things are are really driving some of the new product development that I that I have in, in the works right now. That's that's exciting because um, this is one of the reasons why I enjoy interviewing entrepreneurs so well is they're always looking for the opportunity that might be hidden in the challenge. But they're, they're, they're sort of always optimistic about what might happen. And, and I give you credit for uh, looking for other pockets of opportunity. Because I do think this is going to have some type of a lasting change in people's behaviors on a bunch of different dimensions. And so that's great that you're looking at it, how it might impact you and your industry specifically. Okay, so it might not be seven years before I have you back on the program the next time. It's probably more like three years and i'm wondering man <laughs> when you come back on in three years what's your three-year picture what's going to be different for you and where are you taking your firm you know i really want to focus a lot on on people and getting getting the right talent on board you know and bringing on a lot more people that are that have great skill sets in whatever it is that we have a need for and also bringing those people in that you know are, will help grow the company there is so much opportunity out there and and, and some of it we, we just couldn't meet the demand for all of all of this all these products that people wanted so you know i want to surround myself with some really amazing people and, and continue to build out a wonderful team to to execute and create all of these beautiful products that i hope to share with you in the next few years before i <laughs> before i talk to you again okay fair enough if People are interested in your journey as an entrepreneur or your your product portfolio. Where would you ask them to go online to kind of get more information about you and your products? The products themselves can be found on manakadarcosmetics.com. When retail opens up, there are many of the stores out there, um, Ulta, Urban Outfitters, Bed Bath & Beyond. Um, social, you can find me on LinkedIn. Just type in my name, M-A-N-N-A. Kadar, K-A-D-A-R, and you type in all of those into all the socials and you'll find me on LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, all of that good stuff. Mana, it's always a pleasure to talk with you. I'm so happy to um, have this opportunity again to share with your experience. I look forward to having you back on the program. Nothing but continued goodness and success in, in your career and, your, and all that's going on for you. Thank you for giving a little bit of your time to my audience today. I truly do appreciate it. Thanks. Thanks, Rick. Talk soon. Take care. Bye-bye. I'd like to thank our engineer, Paul Roberts. He didn't seem to screw anything up today, although maybe a little bit there. I heard a little bit of something. But that's okay. Why live in the past? Let's only go forward. He He survived it. And we survived it. Uh, this COVID-19 forcing us all into our remote studios can be a bit of a challenge. Without I, the, my producers, I couldn't do this show each week. The amazing Joan Park, wonderful Crystal Nunley, and the newest producer, Vanessa Holland, who's amazing as well. If you would like to connect with me, let's do it on LinkedIn. You can find me under Richard Franzi, spelled F-R-A-N-Z-I. Uh, until the next show... I hope all of your business decisions move your company in a positive direction. 
You have been listening to Critical Mass Radio Show Business Talk Show, focused on exploring topics of interest to CEOs who are leading middle market companies. With your host, Richard Franzi, 